This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message of how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Victory God's Way, and it comes from 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 31. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tile rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Again, that's radiobibleclass with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Or you can catch us wherever you consume your podcast. Whether that's on Google, whether that's on Amazon, whether that's on iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're there also. Just search for WMER, Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Now today we pick back up in what I would call part three, as we've seen David all the way back in chapter 27. Over the last four chapters, we've watched David as he got tired and he ran in his own strength and he's tired of running from Saul. King Saul's been trying to kill him now for over 10 years. And what does he do? He says, I got to go somewhere to get away from King Saul. I just can't keep this up anymore. And so he goes across enemy lines. It comes to, if I go down to where the Philistines are, Saul won't come after me. And he was right, because we saw in chapter 27, Saul said, I won't go search for him if he's down in the Philistines, once he's heard that David's gone down there. Now he goes before King Achish, and King Achish gives him a place to live, and that's called Ziklag. And today that's going to be very important And what happens there. And so where we were last week is they were getting ready to go into battle with the nation of Israel, and he had to make a decision. And he told King Achish, hey, let me go with you, and I'll battle beside you. But now the other leaders for the Philistines said, whoa, 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 this guy is is a Hebrew. He's not part of us. He shouldn't be with us. What if he decides to turn on us? He's in the back. We're, We're in the middle, and then you got Israel on the other side. We're squashed. And if he comes from behind and kills us and gives our heads to King Saul, King Saul will forgive him. So the other leaders that reported to King Achish said, no, we will not go to battle if they go with us. And so King Achish went back to David. He said, David, go back to Ziklag. You're not fighting with us today. My people won't let you go. And and David got offended. And we studied about that, being persecuted for your faith. But anyhow, David gets offended and he said, what did I do? What have I done wrong? But see, we looked also last week at the sovereignty of God and how God really set this up, that he would have to go back. Now, David, as we've studied this two-year period that he's been living with the enemy, 
We haven't seen him do a single sacrifice. We haven't heard about him writing a single psalm. We haven't heard about him worshiping the Lord. We haven't heard anything around his walk with God. Matter of fact, most commentators say this is one of the lowest points in his life, but he gets a buy from it because of what he did with Bathsheba. But anyhow, David is not walking with the Lord. He's out of the will of the Lord. So God in his sovereign hand directs things so David has to go back and not fight the very people that he's about to be leader of. And so that's where it picks up today. David has been told to go back to Ziglag. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We'll start in verse 1, and I'll be reading out the ESV. Now David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day. So they've been traveling for three days from where they were about to do battle with the nation of Israel back to Ziglag. The Amalekites had made a raid against Negab and against Ziglag. They had overcome Ziglag and burned it with a fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one but carried them off and went their way. And when David's men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. The David and the people who were with him raised their voices and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. David, his two wives, had been taken captive, Hanomi of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because of all the people were bitter in their soul, each for his sons and his daughters. But I want you to catch this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So again, as I said, we're picking right back up. What's happened? David goes down to Ziglag, which Achish had given him, like I said, back in chapter 27. The Malachites, which he had been invading, paid him back. They invade. They burned it with fire. They took all the women and children captive. And David's men show up. And what do they do? They begin to cry and weep over what has happened. David is distressed because of what he's lost. And now the people are even talking about stoning him. All the people were grieved over what's happened. But I like where we stop. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. There's a lot to learn right there. When we go through a trying time, we can't strengthen ourselves. We can be just like David has been over these last four chapters. We can run in our strength for a period of time. We're going to get tired. We're going to get wore out. We're going to get distressed. But you know what? The only way to really strengthen ourselves is to do it in the Lord. Now, I have some good note takers that listen to me. For you note takers, I really have two points today with three sub points under, I think, both of them. The first point I want you to see is during our troubles, we have to seek the Lord. And that's what David did. David has not done this for two years. But during this troublesome time, what does he do? He seeks the Lord. But first, I want you to see that he reaps what he sowed. And that is a biblical principle that's through the Bible. David and his men are now reaping what they have sown. Just a short time ago, David was raiding the Malachites, submitting to the enemy, being less than honorable. The Malachites now come back with a vengeance. I think one of the reasons why his people are mad at him is not only because their wives and children have been taken by the Malachites, but they now realize what they had done was wrong. What they've done previously was wrong. They remember how they went to the enemy and they shouldn't have and how they raided them and they pillaged against them. And now they're reaping what they've sown. Job 4.8 says, Even as I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. 
Proverbs 22.8 says, He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. In Hosea, where he is talking to the nation of Israel, Hosea 10.13, he says, You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way, in the multitude of your mighty men. Does that not sound like what David's been doing? How he's ran down there out of the will of God and he's trusted in his own way. Probably the verse that came to mind to most of you when I said you reap what you sow was Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. This is a biblical principle that whatever you're sowing, you're going to reap. Whatever you're planting is going to come up, and that is going to be the fruit. And so if you are sowing evil, you're going to reap evil. And I'm really surprised that David didn't expect that these people would come back, how they wouldn't come back and attack him just like he's been attacking them. David has been sowing destruction, and now he reaps it. So what does this mean to you and me? It means don't fool yourself that you think you can continually sow sin and reap righteousness. It doesn't work that way. If you're going through some troublesome time, if you're going through destruction in your life, maybe you should stop and ask yourself, what am I sowing? There are people walking around that are walking in constant unrepented sin. And now they're sick or they lose their job or they die or someone they love dies. They, their marriage breaks up. They are, they're constantly frustrated. They're living in anger. They're, they're, they've got depression. What they need to do is stop and look at what they've sown. And now what are they reaping from what they've sown? You can't take the shortcuts in life. Most of the shortcuts in life aren't good. They're a part of evil. And when you sow that evil, the Bible tells us that we will reap what we sow. I don't want to leave this on a negative note. Even if you've been sowing evil, even if you've been sowing the wrong thing, it's not too late. David, for the last two years, have not been living in the will of God. But look what it says in verse 6. It says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his son and his daughter. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This is biblical. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Think about this image. Everyone has come back and they see the city burning. They see the smoke. They get there and they find nothing. Everything they've got has been pillaged, even their loved ones. And it says that everyone else is distressed and fixed on selling him. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. It's powerful to think about strengthening ourselves in the Lord, just like David did. I can assure you there's going to come a time when it seems that no one else is around. No one else is on your side. No one else is going to come and help. And what do you have to do? You have to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You don't strengthen yourself in yourself. No, you strengthen yourself in the Lord. No one else is going to do it for you, but God will. God is always there on your side. You say, Tim, well, that sounds great. Well, how do I do that? How do I strengthen myself in the Lord? I'm glad you asked. We see in verse 4 that the beginning of David's crying out to God was his crying over the devastation. His wives have been taken captive. His people are destroyed. The city is destroyed. And it says in verse 4, and wept until they had no more power to weep. Some of you may not understand what the Bible's saying here. 
You don't understand this kind of weeping. I mean, it's an empty cry that comes from the bottom of your soul. It doesn't necessarily mean that tears are coming down. Tears may not even exist. It may be a crying out that doesn't produce a sound. It's a point where you can't put words and only the Spirit of God can utter on your behalf to God. But when I read about this weeping that David was in, I see, just like in 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. See, David is at a place, an empty place, and he cries his last cry. Sorrow for what he's done. David now is looking back to where he should have been looking all along. He's taken the focus off him, and the only place he can find his strength is in God. And through his godly sorrow, it produces salvation. It produces a repentance that he needed to do. So one of the ways you find strength in the Lord is that you have godly sorrow and you admit that you failed. You admit that you've been holding on to your own strength and not putting it in God's strength. You've not put it at his feet and laid it with him and given it to him. You've been trying to do it yourself. Sadly, God sometimes has to take us to a point where we have no more strength, where we can't do it, and we realize we can't do it, and we say, Lord, if you're still there, if you're still holding on to me, let me give this to you. And that is the point where we fall just like children before God and say, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. Lord, help me. And that's where David's at. And I think the second way that David strengthened himself in the Lord was he admitted that his plan didn't work. Lord, I need your plan. So first he admits that he was wrong, and now he admits, I need you to show me. He admits that he wants him to be Lord again. See, when we're walking in our own strength, then we don't have God as Lord of our life. We are Lord of our life. But I think David is at a point where he looks to God and he says, I need, tell me what to do. What should I do? And we see that when I look at verse 7 and 8. And David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered to him, pursue for you shall surely overtake and surely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him. And they came to the brook of Bessar, where those who were left behind stayed there. But David pursued he and his 400 men, because 200 stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook of Bessar. This is the first time since chapter 26 that we see David go to God. And he asked him, should I go after these men? Should I go after the folks that took this? And he says, yes, you surely shall. He says, well, I'll overtake them. And he says, yes, you will. Go get them. And so David took out with the 600 men. They get part of the way there, and 200 of his men are just too tired from already three days of traveling. And so they stay, and 400 men keep going. And what I want you to learn from this, the second way to strengthen yourself is that you ask God, is this what I need to do? Tell me what I need to do. God will tell you. He will open doors. He will set things in direction. If you'll start looking to him and quit trying to do it in your own strength. You need to seek after God's plan. See, during troubles in our life, we need to seek the Lord. We may have those troubles because we've sown the wrong thing and now we're reaping it. But if we will turn to God, if we will find our strength in the Lord and we will seek his plan, 
He will set us on the right path. And that's what we are about to see that happens to David. David is about to go and destroy the enemy. And that's the second part of this chapter. And this is the second thing I want you to see for the note takers is destroy the enemy. David could have gotten discouraged, but he didn't. He found strength in the Lord and he seek God's plan. And now he's going after. And look, the Lord helps him with the way he should find these people. Look what happens in verse 11. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. And they gave him water to drink. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit was revived. For he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where are you from? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to the Amalekites. And my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against Negab and against that which belonged to Judea and against Negab of Caleb. And we burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hand of my master, and I will take you to this band. Almost like a breadcrumb on a trail to go find these guys is this Egyptian. And he's left by his master because he's become ill and sick. He's not had water and not had food because they just left him to die. What can we learn from this little nugget from this passage of Scripture? Well, first, we need to remember who we are and whose we are. Who's really fighting the fight? Are we fighting the fight or are we allowing God to fight the fight? See, when we get discouraged, it's because that we get focused on ourselves and we get focused on the trouble that we're in and we take our eyes off God. Psalms 55:22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. This was an encouragement for them to find this Egyptian because this just showed that David was not alone. God was now providing down the right path. And let me tell you, you're not alone either. You may not be some fighter, but you're trying to find your way. God is with you and he will be your compass. He will be your GPS if you will just listen to what it says. I tell this story all the time that one time I was coming home from Atlanta and I'm headed down I-20, and I'm coming to Jackson on the way. I go through Meridian, which I grew up in. When I'm getting outside of Meridian, it tells me to take the 22nd Avenue exit and then go down 8th Street. I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's going to add a bunch of time. For whatever reason, I listened to what the GPS said. I took 22nd Avenue. I went right down 8th Street, all the way down to College Park, where I got back on Highway 19, and as I get right up to the interstate, I can see police lights and firemen and I can see ambulances. And I'm able to jump right back on the interstate on the other side of a wreck that has the interstate closed. See, the GPS knew more than I did. It saw ahead what was going on. In my mind, I knew what I knew. And I would have been stuck in traffic if I hadn't listened. And too many of us are just like me that we don't listen to our GPS. We don't listen to God. And so David has now said, okay, Lord, I need you to help me. And what does he do? He leaves him a breadcrumb. He leaves him this Egyptian to help him get to the next step. So now David and his men take this Egyptian. And what do they do? They let him lead them to the enemy. And that's the second thing I want you to see is that we can destroy the enemy when we fight with all we've got. Look what David and his men did. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad 
over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and that David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoils or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and the herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. Then David came to the 200 men who had been exhausted to follow David, who had been left at the brook of Besser. And they went out and met David to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. And then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, Because they didn't go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and child and depart. But David said, You shall not do so. My brother, with what the Lord has given us, he has preserved us, and he has given into our hands the band that came against us. Why would we listen to you in this manner? For as his share, he is who goes down into battle. So shall his share be who stayed by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made this a statue and a rule from Israel from that day forward. This Egyptian leads them and David attacks them. And he and his 400 men, they fight from twilight until the evening of the next day. And the Bible tells us not a single man lived except for 400 young men who rode on camels and fled away. David had heard from God to go and attack, and he would win. So David fought with everything that he had. Remember, we're talking about fighting the enemy, right? We're talking about the enemy is now throwing things that we've sown at us, but we've turned to God. So now we're fighting the enemy. I want to remind you what Isaiah said in Isaiah 54, 17. He said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. I want you to catch a couple of things in that verse. This isn't for everybody. This is for what? The servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is through me. It's from me. That nothing can be formed against you and it won't prosper. Every tongue that rises against you will be condemned. If you're a servant of the Lord, so David has turned, the question is, are you willing to turn back to God? Are you willing to let God do it for you? See, most of the battles that we fight are spiritual battles. They may look physical. It may be somebody we doesn't like, but there is a spiritual battle going on. We talked about this just a couple of weeks ago, and we must fight spiritually. If you want to be strengthened in the Lord, if you want to destroy the enemy, you have to fight a spiritual battle with God's spiritual weapon, and he is the leader, and you walk on his terms and the way he says to battle. Sometimes the way he tells us to battle doesn't make sense. When he told Joshua to battle Jericho by walking around seven times, that didn't make a lot of sense, but guess what? God's battle won. Are you listening even when it doesn't make sense and doing what God tells you to do to fight that spiritual battle? And I also want you to see David's heart, how it's changed, and the grace that he shows his 200 men that stayed back. See, David wins. He gets all the spoil. Matter of fact, the Bible says this is David's spoil. 
And there are people that are haughty and prideful now, and they're saying, well, we're not only going to give you your wife and your children back. But David says, no, 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 that's not how we do it. David shows grace here. He doesn't have to, but David does. He displays the heart of God. He's, we see that change in his heart. See, even when you don't have courage, even when you can't fight, you share in the victory. Why? Because it's God's people that will come when God tells them to come help you. If you'll only put your trust in him. The other thing I want you to see out of this, not only David's grace, but too many times we're not destroying the enemy. We're destroying each other. Too many times as I've grown up in church, I've seen the inner church bickering going on. Instead of being focused on the enemy and showing grace to others, we love to go after each other and say, you didn't do your part. Look what I did. Where's the focus of that? Look what I did. The focus is on I. Putting the focus back on us. God has each of us play a different role. So we need to show grace. God showed us grace and we should show each other grace. We should have mercy for one another. We should forgive one another. I'm out of time, so I'll wrap this up real quick. David finished up this chapter by being gracious to other people, not only to the people that fought with him, but in 26, it says that when they got back to Ziglag, that he sent spoils to the elders of Judah, to his friends. Here's a present for you from the spoils of the enemy of the Lord. Again, this is a principle in the Bible. If you turn to Proverbs 11, 25, it says, A generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Again, it's that sowing and reaping. If we will do the right thing, if we'll show grace, if we'll be generous, guess what? God will keep pouring blessing out on us. Every time you're generous, you honor God. You give the devil a black eye when you honor God by being generous. Why? Because the devil's not generous. He covets. He envies. He's sinful in the heart. And it's all about me, me, me. I, I, I. See, it's not just about money. It's about everything. Time, information, your talents, and your know-how, your knowledge, and what you do. Money's important, but all those other things are too. And that's just important for us to be generous with. I'll finish with this last statement. Every Sunday, I say, Hebrews 13, 6 says, Do not forget to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You know what that means? We are to be generous. We are to give of our time and our money and our efforts and our knowledge. We are to help others. If you will show generosity, you will show the Spirit of God. And when you don't, you show the Spirit of the devil. Paul taught us that this generosity that we're supposed to have starts at home. In Galatians 6.10, he says, Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We are to share. We are to take care of one another. Let's quit fighting against one another. Let's show grace. Let's show generosity. Today, let me challenge you to check your heart. Do you remember what you were saved from? Do you not know who gave you the win, who saved you? Don't bless the devil by not being generous, but beat the enemy. Destroy the enemy by showing generosity and grace. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and first of all, thank you for this book that you inspired whoever to write. First Samuel, we've learned so much, and again today we see a passage of Scripture where we can learn how in a time of trouble, that it may be something that we sown that we're now reaping. But there's, even as bad as that may sound, 
we can find strength in you. And if we'll turn to you, you will forgive us. In our sorrow, we find salvation. We find repentance and salvation. Lord, let us always seek your plan and help us destroy the enemy that is coming after us. Even when we're already starting to reap what we've sown. Lord, help us destroy that. Help us not be discouraged, but fight with all that we have and give grace and generosity to others. Lord, maybe there's one today that's shown up and their life is being destroyed. Now, maybe it is because they've sown something, but Lord, let them out of their sorrow find that salvation just like David did. Lord, let them lay it at your feet. Let them understand it's not their fight, it's your fight. Lord, let us remember when we make you Lord and we quit being Lord, that things were on a whole lot better. Proverbs tells us, trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. In all our ways seek you, and you'll make our path straight. Right now, there's those that their path isn't straight. Lord, help them today. Let them find the straight path. Lord, let get them back on the right track. Put their feet on the rock out of the muddy clay. Lift them up. Let them give it to you, and Lord, help them. Or maybe there's one that doesn't know you. Lord, I pray today would be the day that ask you for forgiveness. And Lord, that they would make you Lord of their life. Lord, we thank you for all your many blessings. We thank you for the blessings you give this ministry and those that give to this ministry. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.